Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft tapes. I am Jeremy your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game based upon the fantastical fiction of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian, as Jack Williams. I'm starting to like them apples. Gabe, as Roy McDonough. I'm the one who gave them them apples. And Matt, as Rocky Whiteside. Well, sucks to suck, I guess. That wasn't Apple-related. With special guest Zach as Carl Kolchak Jr. I'm guessing I think I'm the second longest living character in the show. Yes, at least the most consistent. Uh Uh-oh, now Matt's mad. You hurt my feelings. Well, let's start begin tonight by firing up the resonator to check for any new letters from beyond. On Facebook, Casey Little says, finally got caught up today and I'm enjoying the body swap dynamic. I love listening to this at work to make it more enjoyable. Keep up the good work and fun times. So make the podcast more enjoyable or make the work more enjoyable? (laughs) Wait a minute. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate that. On YouTube, Frankie Rivera says, I've been listening to your podcasts all last week up to this episode, number 33 Hell House. I remembered you guys have all the links figured I'd check you out on YouTube. You guys are way older than I pictured. I was thinking 20-year-olds with a late 20s storyteller. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally, yes. I thought we were all like 13 mentally. That's underage, Matt. Come on. There are laws, buddy. Come on. You don't live in the Vatican? And finally, on Podbean, just about a couple hours ago, we got something from Darth Yagi, who says, I absolutely love Roy's family life. I don't. (laughs) Roy hates it. Yes, but how does Gabe feel about it? Well, Gabe likes it. It's a good time, but we don't care about him. (laughs) Fuck that Gabe guy. (gasps) Screw that guy. I don't think you can do that either. I'm 20. He can. Damn millennials ruining everything. Before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. H.W. Records is proud to present the 500 thread count vocal stylings of legendary crooner Stephen Crumpet, back from a whirlwind world tour with his first studio album in 15 years, featuring some of his most well-known tracks. Tap your feet to the alt-rock rhythm of this chart-topping debut single. Here's a little ditty about Jack and Dan, two grown men who exist in one man. And you won't be able to resist the earwig lyrics of his house party sing-along. Oh, tequila, it keeps me off my feet. More tequila, shots for everyone I meet. Too much tequila, I'm now laying in the street. How did I get here? Who in places are you? Have you seen my car keys? Those aren't my underwear. Plus, there won't be a dry eye in the house when you listen to his classic ballad. Sophie, I hope you're okay. Sophie, I'm hoping you'll stay. Sophie, tomorrow's today. Sophie, time travel. Yes, Stephen Crumpet is back, and you can download his new album, Taco Fish and Other Tunes, on all digital platforms this holiday season. Brought to you by the fine fish folk of HW Records, in association with Dagon International, a subsidiary of Cthulhu Holdings, LLC. 
Pre-order now and receive a freshly baked crumpet at no extra charge. And we're back. Matt, get your hand out of your pants. You know, I was interested in it, but I'm just worried that the, it's not organic, non-GMO, free range. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really only into that kind of stuff. That was too hot for TV, which is why it's on some dumb podcast. <laughs> it was also hot for T-shirt. That's true. Hot for well, T-shirt. who isn't? <laughs> Got it made. I'm hot for T-shirt. <laughs> some really great T-shirts that you can buy on our new T-Public store. Yeah, that's true. They have shirts and tees. Stop shirts. promoting things. And this is what happens when podcasts are done when everybody's on NyQuil. That's true. <laughs> Welcome to the NyQuil Craft Table. Smash that like and subscribe. It's just how I sound. Watch me on Twitch, Ixer. Products and or services such as those make my blood boil. No, literally. You should totally check the ingredients and warnings on the side before using them. Mm, boil. Now, dear investigators, we finish Chapter 9, Leapfrog. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. The investigators are kind of reunited, as the Caldera Branca and Caldera Preta both slam into the shoreline of Horta, wreaking destruction and spilling deadly cargo onto the Azor island of Fael. By some miraculous feat of dexterity, Carl manages to save Jack from being crushed by one of the ships as it flounders in the surf, smashing the jetty upon which they stand. Roy and Rocky watch in horror as the undead hordes battle the local citizenry and their gooey doppelgangers seek them out. The cult leader Cygnus shows up with elite assassins just as the cavalry arrives in the form of carpet-bombing jets and an international naval presence. But will they be too late to save our heroes? You are in a room with walls constructed of concrete blocks and painted eggshell white. Each of you is seated in a heavy, uncomfortable stainless steel chair that has been bolted to the poured concrete floor. Your ankles are fastened to the feet of the chair with iron chains and manacles. The chain extends up to the handcuffs encircling your wrists and then to a stout ring set in a metal table. Your compatriots are seated at the table with you to either side. You are each wearing orange jumpsuits. Across the table is a single empty chair. Behind that is a large mirror that nearly encompasses the far wall. You see your reflections looking back at you almost mockingly. Jack, it is disconcerting to say the least to see yourself in Dan Williams' body. You scratch your nose, shake your head, watch as the blonde-tipped hair sways with every move your reflection makes. To your right is Carl, the bruises on his face already yellowing and his eyes lively. Declan is seated next to him, staring intently as if he can see someone behind the two-way mirror. At the end of your motley crew is, well, you. Only, whoever is inside your body hasn't treated it very well. Your face looks as though someone gave it a good whack with a baseball bat, then lit it on fire. You sigh, wondering who's going to come through that door next, and whether or not you even have the energy to answer any more queries. Carl. Never in a million years would you have guessed that trying to track down a fish cult would lead to getting tangled up in a doomsday plot. Well, okay, maybe it crossed your mind? But all this body swapping stuff? Nope, that came out of the blue. Although you pride yourself on keeping cool about it. Must have been all those movies you watched. From Freaky Friday to Like Father Like Son to Vice Versa to Freaky Friday to Wish Upon a Star to The Hot Chick to Freaky Friday to The Change Up to The Swap to Freaky Friday. Whew! 
That's a lot of body swap movies. Now you're cooling your heels with Jack or Dan or whoever he is, and a couple other sullen prisoners, one of whom looks as though he's been beaten worse than you. Nothing left to do but wait and see who else might show up to further interrogate you. Roy, Declan's body itches, and it smells funny. Not that your body didn't smell funny, but it was a different kind of funny. Your own brand of funny. Plus, it just feels weird to go to the bathroom and have it be someone else's penis in your hand. You wonder if Greta will feel the same way. Nah, no use thinking about that now. There's someone behind that mirror, you just know it. Someone watching, judging. Maybe they knew about all those times you drew your gun at the drop of a hat, shot phones out of people's hands. Maybe not. Maybe they're already aware of which kid you sacrificed in that terrible, terrible game show. And maybe, just maybe, they were watching as you turned tail and ran away from Rocky as he was being eaten alive by Goo Rocky. Ah, well. If there's anything you've learned from rooms such as this, someone is bound to be along any minute to ask yet more stupid questions. Rocky, this sucks. Despite the strong painkillers your captors gave you only hours before, the throbbing sensation in your head will not go away. The reflection of your borrowed face is like a nightmare mask of old scars painted with purple bruises and deformed with swollen tissue. But you should see the other guy, you think, and then try not to smile at the joke because that hurts even worse, and it highlights the sunken, burnt appearance of your lips and mouth. At least you can still talk, and that's a small blessing, though with all the probing this organization has done since you've been here, you're beginning to wish your voice had been left back there on the decimated docks of Horta, after all. Almost on cue, the windowless door through which you entered 15 minutes ago opens again. A dark-haired woman tall and lanky, in her early thirties, strides in and the door seals shut behind her. She does not look at you as she takes her seat at the empty chair, back to the mirror. Instead, she busies with setting out a series of four folders side by side, arranging the contents and peering intently at handwritten notes. A badge hangs from the pocket of a stylish black suit, identifying the woman as R.J. Legrasse. You do not recognize the logo next to her name, which resembles a series of intersecting hexagons encircling the letters DGSA. She clears her throat, fishes a pair of wire-rimmed glasses from her inside jacket pocket, along with a white handkerchief, polishes the lenses, then puts on the spectacles, pushing them up the bridge of her nose with one finger, before donning a half-smile that is meant to be friendly, but looks merely perfunctory. Her eyes are pale blue, uninterested. You get the distinct impression she just wants to dot some I's, cross some T's, and file this away in a cardboard box several stories below a government building, never to see the light of day. Uh, First of all, gentlemen, uh, we want to thank you for your cooperation in our efforts to understand the events that took place October 31st in Horta. Each of you is uh, given testimony to one of my team members, but there are conflicting details between your stories, and it is my hope that by bringing you here together in one room this morning, that we can iron out those inconsistencies. That doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> oh, trust me, it is. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with, well, you, sir, Roy. Shoot your shot. You were on the west side of the docks, away from most of the actions, it seems. What happened over there? Uh, well, I don't know. I was, you know, not talking to the government about what happened when I was there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's just the best way for me to be not cooperating. I saw you'd already given some statements to some of my team members here. Something about cultists. I, I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I would do. Yes, I understand that uh, you were pretty reluctant to talk to them until they gave you a baby Ruth candy bar and then you just kind of spilled your guts. Well, 
maybe the same treatment could happen here. You don't want to know what Roy would do for a Klondike bar. I just happen to have a baby Ruth right here, and she pulls one out of her pocket and slides across the table. Maybe when we're done, we can uncuff you and, uh... And I'll slam my face onto the baby Ruth and eat it, wrapper and all. (laughs) And it tastes delicious. All right, so that idiot Rocky got himself caught because he's an idiot. I had this sudden pang where I remembered that time that he pulled my pants down in front of Ruth, which, you know, I had a childhood crush on this girl, Ruth Bernard, and since then I just... Every time I hear about baby Ruth bars, it just brings me back. So there's a little backstory on that for you. And she laughed at me and she was like, haha, you're funny. We should hang out sometime, Roy. And I was like, shut up. You're just making fun of me. Get away from me. And then we never talked again. So I remembered that. So I started running because I figured, you know, if he could figure it out for himself, I might respect him a little bit, but I knew him. He can't handle it. He's a loser. So I started running and, uh... Everything happened so fast. These three cultist guys were, uh, they came around me while I was abandoning that idiot over there. One was getting a little stabby, and, uh, suddenly it's some short guy who was fat also and had this sweet-ass mustache started running down the stairs towards me, and he was smiling, so I figured he was happy to see me. You, sir, look as though as you're one of the good guys. And much like sports center odds pickers, Stephen Crumpet always backs the winning team. Catch! And he throws you two six-shooters through the air, which you catch deftly. They feel good in your hands and look for all the world, the same as your old trusty forty-five. He grins even wider and pulls two identical guns from his waistband, nodding toward your pursuers and raising an eyebrow. Shall we? I guess you are happy to see me. We shall. All right, we're going to enter combat now. So go ahead and pull up your character sheet and let me know what your dexterity is. Uh, 80. So we have uh, Stephen Crumpet at 75. The cultists have 45, so you guys will get the drop on them easily. Roy, you've got the uh, comm, and you have two guns in your hand, uh, each of which holds six shots. Aha. Then I absolutely am taking both shots. Primary? <laughs> so first one failed. Needed a 24, rolled a 57. And then uh, your second one? Hi, uh, I succeeded, but then I have to... Uh, you know. roll a d10. Ha! All right, so you need, you need a 24, you rolled a 10, and the penalty dice was also a 10. So you did nine damage to him. He has one hit point left, so he has a major wound. He needs to make a constitution roll, which I'll do right now. He succeeded at that, so he's not unconscious. I was pissed when I missed the first shot, so I did my anger management, and I uh, just hit it as hard as I can right in the stomach. And the bullet indeed just does exit straight out, rupturing his spleen and liver. And hitting the one behind him. (laughs) (laughs) It was that good. So Steven yells, ha ha, good shot. Huzzah! Boom. So Steven is also going to... He's, he's inspired by you, so he's going to do the same thing. And he did a 20 and rolled an 82. Failed on that. Uh, his second shot also went wild. But he's, like, sort of yelling in triumph, even though his bullets are uh, going haywire. <laughs> Cygnus is going to perform a somersault, barely alive. He, he's pretty pissed at you, so he's going to uh, take a stab at you with a machete. He did a 25, rolled a 69. Nice. Not fight. so nice. nice. Do I get a fight back because he was so close? That's true. Yep. Go ahead and uh, what do you want to do for your fight back? Try and sideswipe him in the head with the butt of the pistol, which would that just be a brawl? Yeah. I need a 36, I got a 53, that's a failure. The assassins are going to do uh, cartwheels over and and try to... It's a circus, people attacking us! Yeah, I know, I'd be like, <laughs> what, what are they going to do? They're assassins, what do you want? You need a 25, 
roll a 13 so they succeeded he's going to try to fight back and he'll do the same thing as you d25 roll a 92 failed on that so he's going to take two hit points so actually steven is a little little woozy here and the second one tried the same thing. Once, so once he dodges or fight back and around, all subsequent attacks on them receive one bonus die. So technically, the second guy gets a bonus die. Got it. Okay, so I'll take that. Still failed. Uh, that is the end of the round. So we're going to start at the top of the round. And Roy, you got it. Since I have two guns, can I use one to try and pistol whip Machete Boy right here and use the other to try and shoot someone with a penalty die or, or without a penalty die because it's the first shot I'm taking? Yeah, why not? Cool. I'll try and pistol whip Machete Boy because he only because he's presumably only has one health left. Because I think that's what you said. He's like, "Don't hit me! I've got one health left." Timeout, guys! I need a timeout. I rolled a thirty-six. I need a thirty-eight. I'm gonna spend the two luck. D three works. I got three. Yeah, he's gonna fight back, and he failed. We need a twenty-five. Roll a forty-one, and uh, you knock him unconscious. His uh, he's got blood leaking out of his ears as he falls into the sand. Drops like a sack of yesterday's potatoes. You're gonna do a uh, a shot now, right? Yeah, at at you know this one that's closer to me. I did it stupidly again, but I failed anyway. I needed 24. I got 33. Stephen Crumpet is next, and uh, he's going to attempt basically the same thing on these people. Needed 20 and rolled a 30. <laughs> Steven, spend the luck. He could do that. Yeah, why not? Yes. He'll spend uh, 10 luck to make that a success. And he does eight points of damage, and cultist number three hits the ground. And actually, she gets a uh, fight back. And no. Nope. Ah, what a dumbass. <laughs> Steven uh, blows the back of the head off of mm. cultist three. <laughs> I'm on fire! <laughs> but not literally. Fire? Don't talk about fire. <laughs> Game shoots is gone again. <laughs> And then fires off the second gun, and it goes wild. This would have been a penalty dice anyways. Uh, Cultist gets to fight back, and need a 25 roll of 41 failed. And now it is their turn. So we've got Cygnus is done, Cultist number three is done, so there's only one Cultist left on the board. They're going to attempt to fight Stephen Crumpet. Need a 25 roll of 48. Uh, he's going to fight back with one shot of his gun. And uh, need a 20, rolled a 33, and you know what? He's going to spend the luck. Nice. Because he's got a lot of luck. 13 points, blows a hole in the Cultist 2, who falls to the uh, ground. And then... That's a very interesting tale, Mr. Arroyo. Arroyo Arroyo, is it? Yeah. That's the last time I saw my best friend, Steven. Right, right. Well, so that's one problem we have with your story. Uh, you see, Roya Roya look like this. She selects a photo from one of the folders and slides it toward you. It is you, your body, laid out in a coffin. Special Agent Roya Roya of the FBI died weeks ago. You, on the other hand, are clearly alive, but you are also clearly Declan McDonough, arms dealer and wanted man in six countries including the United States. Yeah, but the other five are like garbage countries. <laughs> she selects another photo showcasing Declan talking with shady characters on an airstrip while several crates marked with radiation symbols are being loaded onto a cargo plane. I can see where you might get confused about your identity, Mr. McDonough. One is a well-respected family man while the other is a criminal on the run. If I were you, I, I wouldn't want everybody to know my business either. Only, your confusion seems to be contagious. Which brings me to Rocky. 
Rocky, she said well-respected. Did you hear that? Rocky, I see here you were injured in a fall overboard from the Caldera Branca, but managed to get ashore before being attacked. What happened after that? Well, I presume that you have filed intriplicate the correct paperwork for me to talk further upon these matters. Let's see, that would be form C31-B, Mark 2, AD 1114 ab 3 and the Z6X142-C. Otherwise, it's classified, and I'm not allowed to talk about it any further. Well, yes, you've already signed those papers. They're right here. I don't know if you remember that, but you did it about an hour ago. Maybe it's the damage to your brain, but... Uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell me what happened? In your own words, of course. In a world where I use my own words. Ah, well, everything just happened so fast. You see, there I was, attempting to climb up the rubble onto the dock, when a less-than-human version of my own body was attempting to, um... Well, what I can only describe as suck the life force out of me. And, um, the next minute, uh, there was a rather short, squat, uh, fairly overweight man with a very large and bushy mustache standing over top of me with the strangest of grins. You, sir, appear to be in dire need of assistance, and Stephen Crumpet never shirks his civic duty. How about you? He kicks the goo monster away and drags Rocky on his feet, slapping a spear gun into his hands. I expect these gooey fishmongers will bleed when skewered. What say you and I test the theory? I'm not one to question any kind of help I can in a crisis, much less from a fellow countryman. All right, we are in combat. So Steven actually has a 75, so he's going to go first. So he's going to shoot a spear gun at point-blank range. He needed a 20, he rolled a 50, but he gets a bonus die. So we'll go ahead and roll a 10 And that would make it an 80, so that's not very good. So 50 is the thing. He's just trying to determine if he wants to use his luck. And yeah, why not? Jeremy's <laughs> like, we're never going to see this guy again. Why the fuck not? So uh, he spears uh, Guroic for seven points. Don't kill Guroic. <laughs> And that, of course, gives him a major wound because it's more than 50% of his thing. So he needs to make a constitution roll. Needed 50, rolled a 96, and he immediately falls unconscious. So it, it is your turn. I'm going to level the spear gun right in between the eyes of my goo body and say, I know I really hate to break such a beautiful face. I needed a 74. I rolled a 71. That's a success with four points of damage. And that is enough to spear him, and he falls backwards into the water, floating away, sinking dead now this stephen crumpet fellow seems to get around doesn't he mr arroyo ah another arroyo they do seem to spring up like weeds and this particular weed is named rocky only we have no record that roy arroyo had a brother named rocky yes i erased those records on my own it uh, was a bit of a detriment in my line of work to have any sort of traceable identity where I didn't want it. Now, what's really puzzling me is you claim to be some non-entity named Rocky Arroyo when you more closely resemble a certain special agent Jack Whiteside of the FBI, who's been missing for some time. Our facial scan recognition software can't verify this hypothesis 100% accurately, mostly due to the extensive bone structure damage, but I'd lay money on it. And we wouldn't even have bothered to do the comparison if it had been for the claims of this gentleman. Jack, in our notes, I see you claim to have been aboard the Caldera Branca during the aftermath of the crash and presumably watching the action below. Yeah. What transpired then? Well, it's going to sound strange, but everything happened so fast. <laughs> One minute, uh, I was standing on the deck of the ship next to Carl, looking down as goo versions of Rocky and Roy attacked whoever was trapped in my body. 
The next minute, a grappling hook hurled in overhead, attached a steel cable to the forecastle mast tower. Grinning like a madman, Stephen Crumpet zips through the air from the direction of the rooftops. Permission to come aboard, Jack. He leaps onto the forecastle decks next to you. Hail and well met, Mr. Whiteside. Oh, I forgot to give this to you earlier. He reaches behind and with a fair bit of grunting and show, pulls out a rocket launcher. From his behind? Jesus Christ. Here, never mind the smell. It gets a bit swampy on these islands. I'm sure you understand. Anyway, I'll give you the 15-second tour. This is your standard issue BFG. Point and shoot for the most part. Watch out for the kick. I've gone to the trouble of preloading two anti-tech warheads, so try to keep your aim steady, right? There'll be no third chance to take down the big D. Steven is, of course, referring to something rising in the ocean waters directly behind the ship, on the verge of swallowing it. Something's rising. <laughs> oh, hey. It's the bread I have in the oven. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, you fucking pervert. <laughs> it's the dark night. We're going to enter into combat. You're just going to need to make some pretty good rolls to fire Dagon in the mouth. So basically, you're just doing a firearms, two attempts to do this. I'm going to run off the end of the boat with the rocket launcher and jump towards its mouth. Once I get close enough, I'm going to shoot it. Are you going to rocket jump? <laughs> As uh, Crumpet explains to me what I have to do with this weapon that he handed me, I turn around and I look and I almost crap my pants. Because behind you is a monstrous, amphibious, scale-covered monstrosity that is easily twice the size of the ship. Right now you can just see the top half of its head as its elongated body is hurtling towards the shoreline. And you can see that the maw, filled with many sharp pointy teeth look at the boats is widening and you can just see like the seaweed and the ocean water dripping as it slowly rises a whale falls out of its mouth i told you guys it was the deep ones i am going to drop to one knee and put the rocket launcher up on my shoulder and aim down the sight and i take my shot at its uh, open maw I needed a 25. I rolled a 96. Aiming gives you a bonus die. That's true. Go ahead and roll a d10. I got a 9. So a 96 or a 96? I'd say a 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so your aim is very off. The anti-personnel device rushes out of the barrel of the BFG and goes wild. It sort of spins out of control and hits the bridge tower of the ship and just explodes in shards of metal and glass. I look out towards the destruction, say, there, now I've got a clean shot. A little bit to the left. It pulls to the right, evidently. And uh, you feel the boat tipping as Dagon begins to swallow the back half of it, and the boat is tipping up towards so that you would start sliding along the deck towards the mouth. Nice deck. You've got one shot left. I'm going to take aim for the closest eyeball that I can see of the sixth that he has. I'm going to aim even better. Can we give him bardic inspiration? And I'm going to fire the rocket at his eyeball and fail miserably. I need a 25. I rolled a 69. Nice. 
Uh, let me roll that bonus die, shall I? Sure. Since I aimed a 10. It's a zero. Nice. So I got a nine. This time I felt a little more prepared as the rocket leaves the launcher, but it still knocked me onto my back flat. So I scramble quickly to get up to see if I made contact. And the missile enters the first eye into the creature's skull cavity and explodes into a green mist. Right, right. Uh, Fish cults and elder gods. I don't mind telling you, Jack, that sounds like something out of Lovecraft. What next? Does the Necronomicon pop up in this tale of yours? Uh, Not this time. While I applaud the heroic efforts of you and, again, the ubiquitous Stephen Crumpet, I find all of this hard to swallow. Isn't it more likely that you, Dan Williams, went off the deep end when your fiancée, Samantha Blaine, went missing? Or is she actually missing, Mr. Williams? What do you suppose we'd find if we went digging around the grounds of Blaine Manor? Historical satellite photos show an old well on the property, which is strangely no longer standing. Just rubble now. If we dug deep enough on that site, would we find your body, Mr. Williams? No, no, that sounds like a piece of fiction from a two-bit things that go bump in the night writer like... Carl! Your version of what happened in Horta is quite a story, Mr. Kolchak. Bit fantastical, but then I've read some of your previous work, and your father's too, of course. It says here that you were on deck with Jack when, quote, all hell broke loose. What happened after that? Well... Everything really happened too fast. One minute, I was standing on the deck uh, of the ship next to Jack, but looking back at the constables, vainly fighting off the hordes of undead streaming from the other ship. The next minute, I heard the sound of feet pattering up behind me. I, of course, heroically turned to face this new enemy because that's what I do as a as a reporter. Uh, but instead of, you know, the, the vast enemies that we've been fighting across the entire island, it was actually my old friend, Stephen Crumpet, on the port side, throwing down a ladder over the edge and grinning like a madman. The scene's nearly finished, Carl. Stephen nods toward the policemen who are clearly losing the battle. But I reckon they could use a hand from two understudies in the wings. Fancy saving the world? Ah, if I must. He clambers down the rope, then runs up the fallen beacon tower onto the other ship. Parkour. And he sort of waves you to follow. I follow him. I've already run up this thing once, you know, without with the, the two ships crashing, so this should be a piece of cake. Roll for parkour. So yeah, you clamber down the rope ladder and easily go up the uh, fallen beacon tower, and you find yourself on the deck of that darker version of the ship. Steven, what are we really doing here? Well, I said it. We're saving the world, but I can't do it alone. Ah, don't worry. I have a secret weapon. Follow me. And immediately darts towards a staircase leading down into the ship. I definitely follow him with my camera at the ready. So he leads you into a nightmare version of the ship that you had just clambered up into, even though it was in ruins. uh, The other ship was in much better condition. This appears to be the same sort of mirror image of that, but everything is rotted and rusted. There's water in the hallways, hatches which have been torn off the hinges, hanging at askew angles. You see nightmare scenarios within each of these cabins. You see blood streaked on the walls, strange messages scrawled on the ceilings. If only you had a blacklight. (laughs) And before too long... Stephen comes to a set of double doors that are open, and inside you see what is clearly some sort of hospital room. At the far end of it is a wall 
that is a mirror. And around this mirror are strange alien symbols glowing. You don't recognize the language as anything of this earth. I do immediately snap a picture and actually anything that felt disturbing i actually looked at more through the camera because it separates me from whatever i'm looking at and as uh, the two of you approach a little bit closer just within 30 feet of the mirror you see the symbols begin to glow with much more intensity i double dog dare you to touch it and the mirror begins sort of pulsing with this strange energy you can feel it in your bones just sort of vibrating what the hell is going on here this shit's real oh it's quite real my boy But don't worry, I have a little gift from Roy. He's a nice enough bloke. And he reaches inside his pocket and pulls out a vial, a little glass stoppered bottle that has the same alien etchings all around it and which are also pulsing with a strange energy and light. The vial doesn't look like the similar to the ones that we replaced, does it? It does. It looks exactly the same. And he takes your hand and slaps it into your palm. I hold it and just kind of look at it like, what am I supposed to do with this? There's nothing to it. Wind up and bowl your best. Just throw it as hard as you can, capiche? We were told not to do something with this. Are you sure this is really going to work? Trust me, my boy. And good luck. I'd have a go, but you know... I'm not really here. And with that, Stephen Crumpet dissipates into a wisp of dust motes, and you're standing alone in the surgical room. Ruh-roh. I look down at the vial. I look at where Stephen was. I look at the, the arch and look at the glowing symbols. At least two of those three things are still here. So I toss it into the, uh, the plane. At the moment, the vial touches the mirror. It shatters. You know what, Carl? Of all these accounts, yours is the most believable. Except for the Stephen Crumpet thing, of course. No one's going to buy that he was able to help each of you in different ways at the same time. But no body swapping? You are who you claim to be, and that's a breath of fresh air in this room. Do I look like somebody that would just make up things? Of course I have proof. I'm sure you have my camera still. Look, I don't blame you for wanting a piece of the glory here. It's true that the supposed zombies all disappeared simultaneously. There's security footage to back that up, although our experts are still combing the footage for potential doctoring of the digital files. And yes, several of the residents on the island reported injuries that would correlate to an attack of some kind. There's no way to prove what you say happened in that ship's hospital, but fine. So you saved the world. Good for you. It'll make for a great think piece back home. No one will believe it. Your reputation precedes you, and I wish you luck overcoming that. I'm just going to say, see, I'm so trustworthy. People will believe this story because my editor believed my story and got you here a little bit faster. Well, it wasn't exactly uh, Tony. That's his name, right? Tony Vincenzo? No, it was uh, It was a little certain uh, phone call that uh, was made from Stephen Crumpet's apartment. You're welcome. And as she's saying this, Legrasse puts away the photos and notes inside the plain manila folders. She looks neither satisfied nor angry as she stands up and presses a button on a device at her hip. A moment later, two armed guards enter. They approach Carl and unlock his restraints. Since we've wrapped up the story, you know, maybe a, uh, a coffee or a drink? Say your goodbyes now, Mr. Kolchak. Your transport is waiting to take you back home, and I highly doubt you'll be seeing these fine gentlemen or myself again anytime soon. Well, Jack, you were actually a good friend. I'm glad to have met you. You don't disappear. Your name will be popping up out there. I will be keeping an eye out. Those two, 
I'm assuming they're your friends, but um, you have interesting friends. Tell our story. Who, who exactly is this? Why are we trusting this guy we don't even know? We're not. We're going to be locked up for life. What do we care? But the story will get out there. The truth is out there. You can't stop the press. I want to believe. But yeah, I, I will go with the guards. And uh, as long as I'm on a plane back to civilization, I'm kind of happy. Lagrasse watches as the two guards escort Carl away, then closes the door again. Without a word, she returns to her seat and stares at the three of you with unexpected intensity. I hope you don't mind the ruse. It was for Mr. Kolchak's benefit. Can't have a writer of his caliber getting too close to the truth now, can we? She turns slowly to look over her shoulder at the mirror. Behind the two-way glass, a soft emerald glow illuminates another room beyond. Two figures stand, watching, the familiar outlines of their bodies at once comforting and unsettling. To the left is Assistant Director Akeley, his strange, waxen face alien and impassive. Next to him is the corpse of Roy Arroyo. Dead flesh, tinged bluish-gray, glassy eyes unblinking, mouth stitched closed. As you watch in horror, the reanimated body reaches up with a pair of surgical scissors and proceeds to snip the cat gut that binds its lips together. Its mouth opens wide, and you hear the crack of stiffened tendon as white cotton balls spill from the freshly opened aperture. With some effort, the throat muscles contract, and you hear a ghastly whisper. I, sir. Lagrasse turns back to you with a self-satisfied grin. Welcome to Delta Green, gentlemen. And that's where we'll call it. Why does Declan get a much handsomer body than I do? <laughs> it's all dead and decayed. Now's my only chance I'll ever have to make out with myself. Uh, the rabbit hole just keeps on going. Follow the rabbit. I don't even know where to start or where to finish. I'm going to beat the crap out of Declan and steal my body back. <laughs> You're going to beat the crap out of yourself? I already beat the crap out of Jack, so... If I can beat the crap out of myself, am I weak or am I strong? Well, as Roy McDonough, you're pretty strong. Does that mean that Declan is Declan Arroyo? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even possible. We need to change his name. It's Reclan Arroyo. Rectum Arroyo. Damn near killed him. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, hop into some hashtag recommendos. Please roll D1 Hondo. We start off with uh, Matt, then Gabe, then me, then Brian and Zach. So start us off, Matt. So for the final recommendo of this chapter, I have something very fun, very unique, and very much worth your time. It's an indie game called Untitled Goose Game by House House Studios. Uh, so Untitled Goose Game is it's kind of like a slapstick stealth sandbox game where you get to play a goose that has been unleashed on an unsuspecting little village. And the game is, I guess you could call it kind of part puzzle game too. So you get introduced to a small area and they give you a list of things you have to to do in that area, which can include stealing things from people, uh, ruining people's stuff, could have to, you know, scare people, you can have to, you know, hide things from them, and the whole game is just a series of to-do lists and puzzles in small areas, all centered around the fact that you are a goose, and you just get to be a complete and total ass to everybody, and it is fucking hilarious, and so much fun. Like, there's, um, one of the areas, one of your tasks is 
scaring a kid into the point where he locks himself into a phone booth. So you kind of have to run at this kid and at the same time, like, honk at him. You have a dedicated honk button, by the way, which is which is something unto itself. So you run at this kid flapping your wings and honking until you can herd him into a telephone booth where he immediately locks himself inside and calls his, I'm assuming one of his, his parents who is working next door in an electronic shop. So he comes out to chase you away at which point you can go into that shop and mess with all the TVs and you hit a button and it turns on a camera and all of a sudden your goose is all over all these TVs inside this electronic shop. It's it's amazing and it's so much fun to just be able to run around and be a, a, a total ass to everybody and you get to screw with them and is is something else. And it's only $15 and it is somewhat of a short game, but it is totally worth every single one of those $15 I spent on it. If you like being an ass, uh, Untitled Goose Game. Gabe, you're next. I'm going to recommend another board game because, I don't know, it's called Orleans, or as some board game guy tried to tell me, it's called Orleon, but it's like New Orleans, but you take the new out and it's Orleans. It's like a French village sim as a board game, your goal is to have more resources than the other person, but there's no direct competition going on while you're playing. Everything you're doing is going on at the same time, where you're trying to build churches, and you have these workers that you assign to different jobs at every round. And as they're assigned to that job, you build churches, and that can give you more resources, and you can assign them to the wagon, go to different trading outposts. So along the road, you pick up new materials like wheat and food and stuff and basically your goal is over i think it's nine rounds to do the most building get the most workers the most resources and the most knowledge so at the end you add them all up and compare what the other people are doing and whoever has the most it wins and there's like different amounts that everything's worth so there's some things you should prioritize over other things and it's just a lot of fun and it's i will say it says that you it says two to four players i've played it alone and it's just as fun alone i mean the only difference is you're trying to beat your own scores versus the other people so that's early on it's a lot of fun it, it it's it takes a lot of time so it might not be for everyone it takes about an hour and a half to play but if you have the time it's a lot of fun even just to play with people and try and like best their strategies nice Thank you, Gabe. We'll check that out. All right. My recommendo for tonight is a movie called One Cut of the Dead. From 2017 and from Japan, writer, director, editor Shinichiro Ueda, starring Takayuki Hamatsu, Yuzuki Akiyama, Kazuaki Nagaya, Harumi Shuham, and Mao. The first 30 minutes of this movie is a zombie story of sorts, all shot in one continuous take. At first, it seems like it's just a low-budget indie shocker, but then we jump back in time to one month before the production. What unfolds is a hilarious and heartfelt traditional narrative about the ragtag cast and crew who are tasked with shooting an impossible script. I won't spoil any of the fun twists, but I will say that this is a must-see for anyone who loves film and filmmaking, and I urge you to go in blind without reading any in-depth reviews. I did, and like many non-Hollywood indie films, this one traverses different genres without fear, and it surprised me to laugh and tears. 
It is available on Shudder, and it's probably one of the most surprising. Uh, there was a lot of hype for this movie uh, from the horror community because it did so well on the festival circuit, and Shudder took great care by um, acquiring it, acquiring distribution, and this is a Shudder exclusive. I'd been waiting for over a year to see this. The word of mouth was so great, and I was so nervous that it wouldn't live up to the hype, but it completely does. So I highly recommend One Cut of the Dead. Don't read anything about it. Just go watch it. All right. Uh, I believe, uh, is it Brian next? Uh, mine is a YouTube channel. I stumbled across this. It's a huge channel that I just had never heard of. It's called Funhouse, and it, it reminds me of everybody here. When we are playing this game or we're playing any other game together as a group, our sense of humor is firing off and we're playing off each other and it's a great time. It's a group of friends that started a YouTube channel playing games. In one room, one camera, everybody sitting in different seats with their own microphones in front of their faces, and they're either playing with their each controllers, or they'll play until one dies and pass the controller. So it's like like couch gaming with, with all your friends. But they are freaking hilarious, and they've developed this channel into subcategories. They they read all of their, like what we do, our uh, um, feedback and uh, reviews. They, they go on and they do that all reading it on YouTube Live, and their re- reactions are priceless, and they don't cut out anything. So I don't know how they get sponsors, to be honest with you, because they talk about everything. Definitely check it out it's funhouse they're they're really funny they cover all types of games the the one i'm hooked on now the sub channel i'm hooked on now is uh it's called demo disc they take an old game they have a file cabinet just full of discs from like windows 98 and They'll pull a disc out, and whatever it is, they'll try to run it in their computer. And if they can, they will play that game until they get sick of it. And then they'll switch to another game. It's a great time. Uh, Funhouse on YouTube. They've got like 9 million episodes, so check them out. Will do. And finally, Zach... You get the last word, buddy. As my recommendo, I'm going to give a uh, recommend to why I couldn't play last weekend. Went to uh, Mr. Science Theater 3000 live. The current uh, tour is the Great Cheesy Movie Circus Tour. Uh, I had the pleasure of watching uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, which is Van Damme's first movie, and it was absolutely horrible. And he's not the main actor in it either, so it was it was just a horrible movie. But it was awesome. Uh, Joel Hodgins, was this is his last tour with the show, and uh, actually the live interaction, just like on the original show with uh, you know the, the bits on the Satellite of Love, still was right there. They did Satellite of Love bits. They had a new mad to, uh, to be the bad guy, but uh, it also gives a nod of Joel's last tour and uh, wraps up his storyline too. Highly encourage going to seeing it. I just checked. They have shows out until March. I don't know if it's at every venue, but you can actually buy a VIP position to meet Joel and the cast, get autographs, get pictures, do question and answer session. So highly encourage. Go out to their website, mst3klive.com, and it shows all of the events, and you can buy the tickets right there. If you're a Mystery Science Theater fan, Joel was the original creator in... 88 please watch it it's they're just as funny even though that they're uh, uh, as old as us all right well we'll check that out but guys unfortunately that's going to be it for this episode and this chapter of the Yay. lovecraft tapes thank you for listening please subscribe on apple Podcasts, google music podbean spotify stitcher or anywhere you download regular podcasts if you like what you hear please leave brian a review Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time, as well as our new Tee Public store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, baby. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. 
And if anybody wants to share tips on butt chugging Dayquil, I'm on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. And if anyone wants to share tips on butt chugging Nyquil, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. And if anybody wants to give me a break because I'm tired of holding both these bottles while they're chugging, you can reach me at Barney Podcast. <laughs> You can't reach me anywhere, but I want to just say thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. It's been a hell of a fun time. Thank you for whoever listens that uh, I we didn't get any. I'm assuming we didn't get any hate mail. Well, appreciate that. Appreciate everything, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Well, until next time, roll for crumpets. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2019. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Waiter, check please. I just wanted to thank Zach yes. for this season. This has been great. Awesome. You guys are awesome. This will be your last official appearance of Carl Jr. Mm-hmm. Which I'm going to cry. It's the end of Carl Jr., but it's just the beginning for Hardy. Well, I just butt-chugged half a bottle of Dayquil, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> how do you keep it in there? I ate a carrot today. I, I recommend honey and carrots in every orifice. Honey to carrots. <laughs> just dripping with a thick goo. <laughs> you gotta, You gotta put a whole jar on each carrot or else it doesn't work. I tried to get high on life, and that didn't work, so now I'm just using glue. It never <laughs> works, dude. In a world where Matt has no voice. Matt has no underpants. But you've got overpants, and that's weird. Wait, I thought it was actually a rule not to wear any pants. In a world where nobody wears pants. The government has gone too far. They banned pants? <laughs> <laughs> a horror role-playing game based upon the... Fda- I'll take two. There's the cold medicine kicking in. Like to buy a vowel? <laughs> so, Zach. Hey, what's up? Do you have any commercials this week? <laughs> Let me tell you about an instant offer. I found a website that'll actually sell commercials when you're not prepared to do a commercial. Oh, really? Let me yeah, type that in. It's called commercials when you're not prepared. Dot com. Dot org dot edu? Uh, well, only when you're doing it on, uh, you know, uh, um... AOL. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've got ma- <laughs> <laughs> You got what? Nothing. Oh. So what What else about this? That they give you this, you just plug in like a topic and it gives you a commercial or? Uh, no, no topics. They tell you what they want you to, to uh, oh. sell. So anything from basically, well, they do have categories. So anything that you like to, that you want to buy, it's typically anything that uh, you're going to put in your mouth, uh, whether it be butter, uh, roots. Flex tape. Um, flex tape. You know, it knows you. So, yeah, the, the great site. So anytime you do have, need to do a commercial spot but don't have a commercial ready, you uh-huh. should be able to go there. Well, I'll take two. It's either one or three, not two. God damn it. How much is it for three? Uh, your soul or your best friend's soul. I'll take six then. Wait, how many friends do I have? Uh, none. So three. You do have a disturbing uh, amount of things that you like to put in your mouth. Just saying. But... These commercials will find anything and give them to you that that uh, go towards that topic. Oh, that sounds great. I love the gag orders. Ball gags come in like a dozen at a time. You can't do it with just dozen. one. Baker's dozen. So 18? I'm not good with numbers. They call it a, a pegger's dozen. As the Caldera Branca and the Caldera Preta both slam into shoreline of Horta. Yeah. Two boats, one dock. Am I right, boys? <laughs>
in a world where we constantly have technical difficulties. Have you ever had a hard time coming up with a commercial? Well, there's a website for you. <laughs> have you ever had a hard time stalling when somebody gets disconnected? Well, there's a website for you. Excuse me? Someone's small <laughs> penis is going off in the background. We apologize. <laughs>